All right. How you doing out there, everyone? This is First City Forum, and I'm your host, Cole Greenup. And I would just like to give a special shout out to uh, KPU and the Gemini Crystal Wizard for sponsoring this show. And also, I want to remind everyone, don't forget to check out our website, catchcanradiocenter.com, to find tickets for uh, July 3rd, KFMJ Day. We're going to have drinks, music, bands. Like It's going to be a great time, and I hope you guys all show up. So, today, we have a very special guest, Mr. Dan Ortez, and we're very excited to have him in the studio. How are you doing today? Hey, thanks, Cole. I'm glad to be here, feeling good. Uh, another great day catch can land. Living the dream here yeah. in Southeast Alaska lately. Holy it's been smokes. beautiful. It really is. <laughs> it is. So, today, uh, I'm having Dan on to talk about uh, the Alaska legislative session that just wrapped up recently. It ran from January 19th to May 19th, and uh, we wanted to go over some of the, the pros, the cons, what happened, to get a little bit of the tail of the tape. You betcha, Cole. Glad to be here. Glad to be here today. And um, yeah, you know, it was uh, it was a, a session where we quote got out on time, um, <laughs> which didn't um, happen the year previous by any means, and probably the year before that as well. So, uh, first positive was uh, we didn't have to go into any extra special sessions, nice. and uh, so that's good. That's always good. Saves the state money, and um, and we were able to get our work done. And of course, you know, the main focus of, of of every legislative session, um, our main job as legislators is to um, pass the annual operating budget and, mm-hmm. and capital budget. Uh, you know, we have all have different types of legislation that's out there, uh, different interests, but all that can fall by the wayside and we can still adjourn. But the one thing we can't do is adjourn before we actually pass a mm-hmm. budget. Um, and so uh, that's our ma- mandatory obligation, statutory obligation, constitutional obligation, as a matter of fact. And, uh, and with that, uh, you know, we, we did that this year uh, by the deadline. And, uh, but it wasn't without some, some certainly lots of discussion, lots of input from around the state, and um, um, lots of issues related to putting together the Alaska state budget. Uh, probably one of the ones that's most apparent to Alaskan uh, residents that may not pay close attention to what's going on in the legislature is is the permanent fund dividend. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, everybody's interested in you know what the permanent fund dividend will be from year to year to year, um, and so that discussion um, you know has a lot to do with um, with the overall budgetary process because. Like with this year's um, permanent fund dividend, uh, we're going to be um, expending $2.1 billion to pay out the, the dividend. Um, and so um, when you have a budget that's, um, let's say, 6.8, overall $6.8 billion budget when you include the PFD, um, you know, that's a pretty big chunk of the budget. Yeah. Um, and so, um, you know, lots of discussion. You know, of course, everybody... Um, including myself as an individual resident of Alaska. Sure, if somebody wants to give me a larger PFD, that's <laughs> wonderful. I like that. Um, and I'm sure everybody else does too. Um, that's always a really like hotly debated issue as far is. as the payout for the PFD. It is. A lot yeah. of people I, – I have yet to hear someone argue for less money <laughs> – but it's a it's a hotly debated issue. It really is, and uh, and and understandably so because you know 
particularly this year. I mean, everybody across the state, across the country is feeling the impacts of, mm-hmm. of inflation and, uh, you know, still some, some lag in employment in some areas in relationship to uh, the COVID-19 epidemic. And uh, so, um, you know, people are, are in need of, of, of their own, being able to handle their own uh, finances in their own homes. And so, yeah, um, you know, there was a lot of interest and there's always a lot of interest in, in what the PFD uh, will will be from year to year to year. And I'm happy to report that this year after that discussion, um, uh, looks like the PFD will, will fall in the neighborhood of about $3,200 to $3,300 um, this year. Uh, and the reason why there's a variation rather than a defined amount is it really depends on who uh, the amount of people um, that apply and qualify for the PFD. Mm. And you, so then you have that $2.1 billion appropriation, uh, but then you divide that um, by the number of people who qualify for the PFD to determine the actual specific amount of the PFD. But So the PFD, like the, the permanent fund dividend that we're allotted as Alaskans, is already set aside and it's prorated on the amount of people that are signed up for it? Not exactly. No, it's not already set aside. It's a debatable topic. Okay. Uh, you know, after there was, you know, for years and years and years, Cole, there was a statute uh, when the PFD was first instituted. They passed a statute that said, this is the formula. This is the way that you're going to, uh, that the legislature is going to appropriate um, the money for the PFD. Um, and that worked fine all the way up until around probably 2016 or so. Really? That recently? Um, um, yeah. And, you know, the, the system worked fine. Um, but um, come around 2016, after years and years and years of uh, declining oil production, as well as uh, declining prices at different times, mm-hmm. um, it became apparent that the formula wasn't going to be able to sustain uh, we weren't going to be able to continue to do the PFD in the manner that the formula uh, dictated. And so then, um, around 2017, we passed what was called the POMV law, uh, which basically says, okay, from now on, we're, we, the state of Alaska, is going to appropriate the PFD based on a 5% draw of the total value of the permanent fund based on the five previous year average of the value of the fund. Okay. Um, and so that's how the PFD um, under the POMV law was supposed to be uh, appropriated from that point on. Hmm. Um, but people, you know, weren't happy about that because what that meant was <clears throat> that in the future uh, there would be less money annually for individual PFDs. Yeah. And so there was a, quite a bit of pushback towards that. In fact, there was a lawsuit filed um called Wilikowski versus the state of Alaska, which challenged the POMB law as a viable law to replace the original statute. Um, and so um, and so basically, uh, that court case was settled, and uh, the judge in the court case uh, said, no, you know, the original law um, is not, the, the, the Alaska state legislature is not bound by the original law. They have to work within the confines of their given conditions, and they can determine from year to year what the PFD will be. And so um, we did pass that law, the POMB law, 
Um, but then this year, because we had lots of extra revenue, uh, we were able to that under that law we would have appropriated about um, oh I would say um, close to twenty six hundred dollars in the PFD. Hmm. Um, uh, but then because we had you know when we began our discussions at the beginning of the session. Um, it became apparent after some time that we were going to have more revenue than we thought we would have uh, based on the prices of oil going up and up and up and Mm -hmm. up. Um, And so then we decided, well, okay, um, we can do a little bit better than than the POMV law this particular year. And so we we passed what was called a a fuel subsidy to to the actual uh, PFD amount. Mm -hmm. And so that's how that um, amount got from 2,600 up to about 32 to 3,300 dollars. So, wow. so anyway, um, it's, you know, it, but it is cool. It, it's a, it's a debatable issue because, you know, ultimately the money comes from the value of the permanent fund itself. And, um, and while we did in- see some significant increases in oil prices this year, which, which is another source of revenue for us, um, a main source of revenue for us is the money that is generated by the investments of the permanent fund. Uh, that's a significant source of our revenue right now. In fact, that outstrips oil revenue um, in terms of the amount of revenue that it produces. Like this year with the draw, it produced about $3.2 billion of revenue. Wow. Um, and, so, and so then, um, what, why I'm getting into the value of the permanent fund is uh, while everybody's looking and we're happy about the fact that um, that oil prices are up, at least in terms of, of revenue for the state, it's, not, it's hard on the gas pump. That's for sure when we go to the gas pump and pay for our heating oil. But um, people have to recognize that on the downside here in the last year, um, the value of the permanent fund itself has dropped significantly in relationship to particularly the last three three months or so with really? the fall of the stock market. It was as high, nearly as high as at one point coal about $84 billion around a year for, a year ago today. Uh, it was right around 84. It's a little bit less than 84. Mm-hmm. But today, I just checked before we came into the program, the value of the permanent fund is $77 billion. Wow. So it's about $77.2 billion. Um, and so the value of the fund has dropped by over $6 billion in the last uh, three months. And so what people don't pay, you know, recognize because they don't follow it from day to day and nor should they um is that when you draw on the fund you're drawing on now a fund that has less value than the fund had last year Mm -hmm. and so remember i said it's based on five percent of the total value of the fund well ultimately then if we continue this path there's going to be less smaller there's going to be less revenue um and so um so anyway it's it's a complicated thing but does the alaska permanent fund operate like a corporate slush fund like where it's uh any of our like emergency need like any of our uh, development and cost or is it purely just for financial flotation um, well, um, now that's, that's, um, another area for debate. Um, some people, um, in the legislature think that, um, um, and under the law, it does say we can draw any amount that we need to draw from what's called the earnings reserve portion of mm-hmm. the permanent fund. Uh, so there's the principal of the permanent fund, and then there's the earnings reserve portion of the permanent fund. Together, 
now they value about $77.2 billion. Okay? Mm-hmm. Some people think that, uh, that we should, if we have needs for, let's say, a larger PFD or we have needs for some special project, let's say we get all fired up about building a, a gas pipeline as opposed to an oil pipeline so that we can start taking advantage of our natural gas, well, that's going to take a lot of money. Um, so some people think, well, as long as the money is there in the earnings reserve, we can draw on that money. Uh, and legally, we can, mm-hmm. but fiscally, uh, what we're doing is we would draw, again, on the total value of the fund. Uh, and so, therefore, in the future, if we draw on it now, it means less in the future uh, that we have available to pay out things like the PFD mm-hmm. and to do things like uh, capital projects, et cetera, et cetera. So, um, so it's not really a slush fund, but on the other hand, some people say, well, hey, if we have a need, uh, yeah. let's do it. Um, but other people, myself included, I'm in the other <laughs> camp, I'm a little bit more, cons- I'm definitely more conservative fiscally um, you know, than some people are in, in the Alaska legislature because what I think is very important, Cole, is that there's not just a PFD today for you and I, mm-hmm. but that there's a PFD for, um, you know, your children, if you have ch- children, or, you know, for my grandchildren, um, you know, I want it to be there for a long time. I want it to be there so that it continues to create revenue for the state to, to fund its operations so that we don't have to turn to a big income tax or a big sales tax. Uh, you know, you realize, and a lot of people don't realize, that we are one of the only states in the union that don't have either an income state income tax or a state sales tax. We live in a state that the state doesn't tax its residents very much say, at all. Our municipalities oh, have sure, specific sure, laws sure. on that, right? Yeah, municipalities okay. have, have, have their own sales taxes mm-hmm. and they have their, uh, you know, property taxes and things like that. Um, but in terms of, and I will say that the property tax contribution that we all make if you're a property owner, that does go to pay for, partially pay for, uh, our school debt, which is a state obligation. So in that way, we're contributing to state expenses through our property taxes mm-hmm. because we're using that money to pay for education. But other than that, um, you know, we all like our roads paved. We all like our, um, you know, our ferries to operate. We like, um other services that the states provide but we don't pay for it other than yeah um other than um through our property taxes which goes to education so so i wanted to ask because i know that a large part of the the perm fund comes from our state investment in natural gases and oil and resources like that but do you think personally that Alaskans as a whole would feel comfortable taking, say, half a PFD for five years if we met, we were investing into other areas that could create other forms of revenue like natural gas and oil? Because like we know, those aren't completely renewable resources. Exactly, exactly. Um, yes, I mean, well, <laughs> it would depend on who you'd ask. I mean, yeah. I think that, you know... Um, that PFD is important to a lot of people, and it's needed by yeah. by some people uh, across the state. It's absolutely needed by Especially some Especially families with right. a lot of children in the right. house, a lot right. of people they're taking right. care of. It right. really goes a long way. Yeah, yeah. Um, so uh, it would just depend on who you ask. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and there are people who, you know, 
you know, who definitely have contacted me through various ways and say, geez, reportees, we, we, we need as much as we can possibly get this year. And there's no doubt that some people are in that situation. Yeah. On the other hand, um, you know, again, when we look at the long-term fiscal health of the state and the long-term uh, future of what we hope will be PFDs in the future, I think it's important to remember that. But to get back to your question and maybe provide a little bit of clarification, the Alaska Permanent Fund itself um, is operates... Um, independently the board the permanent fund board is appointed by the governor um but they they operate based on the concept of using the money that's in the permanent fund to get maximum amount of yield they do not invest uh, specifically in state projects oh. um they don't do that um they don't they don't want to pick winners and losers within the state mm-hmm. um they invest internationally they invest uh, throughout the united states they invest in real estate they, they have a diverse portfolio lots of stock um things like that but they specifically uh don't invest in the state of alaska huh. um, there's like a conflict of interest yeah yeah however um there is there's a small fund that's been now established that goes towards a portion of a very small portion of the permanent fund does go into state um, investments okay. and, and things like that, but it doesn't make up much of the investment. Because I wasn't portfolio. completely clear on that. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, a lot of people don't you know don't mm-hmm. don't recognize that uh, that when they formed that uh, corporation, they specifically recognized that if it became a, a primarily an investment tool in the state, well then there'd be lots and lots of lobbying in relationship to. Uh, the permanent fund management team of saying, well, this project should get money or this project should get money or that project should get money. Um, and it might not even be uh, the greatest of investments compared to steady performing stocks mm-hmm. or steady performing, you know, the gradual growth of real estate across the country has been going up and up and up and up and up. Um, so it might not be the best investment tool uh, that we could use uh, to create growth if we were tied to investing in the state of Alaska. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's kind of what they said. No, we're, we're, we're all about trying to make this grow as quickly as possible, and we're trying. We're all about trying to create, you know... Like a, a steady return. Steady return, right, mm-hmm. right. And so we're more of a, um, you know, a, a state endowment fund that's interested in the growth of the fund for the betterment of all Alaskans rather than uh, in investing in, in state projects and things like that. So anyway, hmm. so... Yeah. Um, I did want to ask you something that is just a purely opinion based. Mm-hmm. It's nothing to do with uh your stances or ideals. Mm-hmm. But how do you feel about uh a company like BlackRock or I guess formerly BlackRock now Blackwater buying about thirty thousand homes throughout the United States in specific areas and buying them for sixteen to twenty five percent above market price to price out people and create um, large swaths of single-family rentals. How do you feel about that action? Because huh. it's been making me kind of uncomfortable. I'd have to. Uh, I'd have to look more of the details. You know, I have. I wasn't familiar of that process going on, or the company that does that. Is it a company? Yeah, BlackRock was uh, one of the. Or Blackwater. BlackRock originally was one of the companies that was responsible for about a third of all um, non-U.S officials in the middle east during our conflicts okay yeah i remember hearing that that's what i was beginning to associate with yeah Yeah, but then you you talked about property and that's why i wasn't making the connection i guess in the last i think two years they've been buying upwards of twenty thousand. i think near thirty thousand homes at 
far above market value to they um they have said that they were trying to create a large swath of single family rentals because in their eyes they feel that um the coming generations don't have any intention of ownership hmm. which i that is not the sentiment that i've heard mirrored from uh-huh. people uh-huh. in my communities uh-huh. yeah. yeah yeah interesting interesting it doesn't sound like it's <laughs> the traditional uh, uh part of the american dream which is i think yeah. to own your own property own your own home and all those kinds of things um, that's one of the largest investments that the average yeah. person makes sure. is buying a home sure sure you bet yeah yeah well hmm. um i think i i don't want to get out there too far yeah. but i'm thinking <laughs> i probably agree with you on that <laughs> i have to look at more of the details yeah um, so as far as the legislative se- legislative session goes, um, what was something that passed that you were very happy to be seen move? Okay. There's a couple of things. First of all, I had some personal legislation, um, which was called house bill uh, 41. And that was a bill, uh, that put in the, um, regulatory framework and established the regulatory framework, uh, for fishing game to permit, uh, new, Mariculture products are programs. I'm sorry, mm-hmm. projects is really what I meant to say. Mariculture projects. You know, mariculture uh, coal is. I'm sure you probably know, but it. You know, it's doing things like um, harvesting kelp mm-hmm. uh, and turning that, that into uh, products that people buy. Um, it's um, you know sh- shellfish uh, manufacturing in a, in a farming process rather than. Uh, going out and harvesting them, uh, you know, just like through the through the normal ways, people setting pots and yeah. things like that. So um, it, it's the thing that I'm excited about is, you know, Alaska ha- has the largest coastline of any state by far. Mm-hmm. Its waters, almost all of its waters, are particularly conducive to uh, these mariculture type projects. And to me, uh, and, and then the real positive thing is, uh, the market for these products are never going to go away. The population, the main uh, source of our marketplace, other than the United States, for these types of products are in Asia. Mm-hmm. Population's continuing to grow in Asia. Uh, the market's never going to go away. People are always going to need to eat. And then the the real kicker on this coal is that it's renewable. You mm-hmm. do it the right job. It's farming, is what it is. It's it's farming in in the in us in the ocean. Like and, uh, uh, what's that? The Oyster Bay Lodge out on the the north end of Ketchikan. Yeah, they yeah. they've been farming oysters pretty successfully now yeah. for I think just under a year. Exactly. Exactly. Yes. It's really and, exciting. Um, yeah. And, and so uh, anyway, this bill uh, that I've been carrying for about four years now <laughs> finally got passed and. Uh, uh, we're scheduled to have the signing ceremony for that here in the near future, and um, and again, it's it's an, you know, one of the steps that's important for us in the state of Alaska to establish a way for us to grow a very important part of our economy, which is the uh, the fishing industry economy. Um, but now that economy is valued at about eh, six billion dollars a year, depending on uh, fish prices, et cetera. But we think that, um, or the people who are involved in the mariculture uh, industry or in getting these projects up and going, think that they can increase that value by another billion dollars a year wow. um, if these projects get up and moving and, and get established. So uh, it's just exciting, and it's something that, again, I think it's a win-win for everybody. Markets are going to be strong for that into the future. It's renewable. Um, it's environmentally friendly. 
Um, and it's sustainable in the yeah. way that a lot of the fishing industry is can be very uh, it varied returns. Sure. Like how in the last two years we saw lower salmon returns and right. how they canceled the derby because of the amount of salmon that King we salmon. were. Right. Yeah. Right. 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 So to bring yeah. some stability in some form of, uh, like you were saying, renewable uh, sources is really, really positive because yeah. Yeah. if you go out fishing one year and you make five grand instead of 15, that yeah. affects your household and your local economies. Right, right. And it's also important to note, uh, I use the word farming. Keep People should uh, not confuse this with salmon farms, farm mm-hmm. fish uh, down in like in the lower 48 and over in Canada and places, that, particularly over on the East Coast side, they do a lot of that. Um, that's not what this is. Yeah. This is um, these. This is products like kelp, uh, mm. shellfish, things like that. Um, things that are a lot of uh, filter feeders that don't need the musculature that salmon exactly. have. Because that's a large thing with farm yeah. salmon versus fresh is or wild is right. the musculature, the fat content. Right, right, right. And uh, and they're still uh, their their main source of food is the same source of food that is out there in the wild. It's not like they're uh, being fed uh, uh, synthetically with synthetic products or things like that. Yeah. Uh, and so it, it's all, it's good, positive. <laughs> and so I feel good about that. Anyway, so that was one piece of legislature. Um, another, uh, you know, some other important bills that were passed, um, you know, were, um, we passed a bill that um, tried to establish a, um, to make some headway in the relationship to um, child care and child care availability is one of the big issues in the state of Alaska and across the country right now is available uh, uh, child care. So we, we, we passed some uh, some initial legislation that made some inroads in that. Um, you know, there was just a variety of other things that uh, that were, were important as well. But the bottom line, Cole, is again, um, you know, when I talk about our main job, which is the... Um, which is the, the budget. budget. Uh, I feel good about some things. I feel good about, you know, uh, it's nice that the people are going to get a, a record-sized PFD this year, but uh, by doing that, it could have been even higher, but in doing so, it would have cost some things that we were able to accomplish. What we did with this year's excess money is we put some more money into savings, uh, which hasn't happened for a while. We've been drawing on savings, but this year mm-hmm. we put uh, about two-thirds of the budget that we're going to have to put forward next year towards education is already set aside. So uh, when I say two-thirds, that's about $700 million that has been put into forward funding for education. So if we spend about $1.2 billion next year, next year's legislature, who was ever a part of that, um, will have that headache, a part of that headache taken care of because the money's already there. So we put $700 million plus uh, towards forward funding of education. We also put money back into our savings accounts known as the statutory budget reserve, um, as, well as, um, you know, as well as some other places uh, where we put some savings in. And so, um, you know, I, I really feel good about that. And then another big thing, Cole, another mm-hmm. real big thing that I really feel happy about was uh, we put some, we put some, cons- cons- some reliable funding and a plan of moving forward with the Alaska Marine Highway System. Because over the last four or five years, that's it's been, been a rough, a little bit all over the place. Real rough. And so uh, we through, and this is when I say we, hats off to our senator, uh, our, our, our federal delegation, particularly Senator Murkowski, who engaged on 
the what was called the IJA Act, the Federal Infrastructure uh, Act that was passed under the under the Biden administration. Um, you know, she engaged with the Biden administration on that particular piece of legislation, and in doing so, she basically did a carve out for the Alaska Marine Highway System as a part of that federal infrastructure bill. Really? And um, so, what's going to happen for the next five years for sure is that. $200 million a year is going to go towards um, U.S. Uh, publicly um, provided transportation, water transportation systems. But the, the kicker is there isn't really anybody else in the in the country that does it the same way uh, that, that kind of fits the, the carve-outs that are there in this particular bill. It's not to say that we're going to get all of that $200 million a year, but the the you know, the, the common understanding is is that out of that $200 million, Alaska is going to get a good chunk of that money every good. year. Um, and so what that's going to do is going to provide money to help help rebuild the fleet uh, because that's one of our biggest problems lately has been uh, the aging of the fleet and the, the lack of, the, of the, the ships to be able to keep up and running so that they could maintain their, their schedules that have been put out there. And then we'll also have money for operations as well. Mm -hmm. um, and then the state has put forward money for operations um, in, in our budget. We put forward $65 million a year for operations. Um, and so what this is going to do, Cole, is going to finally uh, put the path, the Marine Highway, back on the path of uh, rebuilding to the type of, hopefully, the type of system that we were all familiar with um, yeah. as recently as five, six, seven years ago. We had a much more reliable schedule. We had a much more reliable and a, a more developed service uh, plan than what we've seen over the last few years. Um, and uh, so, you know, things are moving in the right direction. And just as a little note, this doesn't have anything to do with the legislation, but mm -hmm. uh, we are now going to re be returning to Prince Rupert here. Coming really? up on the 20th of uh, this month. In fact, I'm going to get on that boat. That's exciting. Because I heard so much from my constituents about how... You know, we need to get access to Prince Rupert back. Not everybody is excited about paying the high cost of putting their car on the ferry and taking it all the way down to Bellingham or vice versa. Because well, it's somewhere around two grand, depending right. on your right. car, your right. weight. Right. Like that's a that's a cost. Yeah, it's a cost, and so uh, that's a third of my PFD right there. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Um, actually, two thirds. Two thirds. <laughs> anyway, um, so. Um, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna get on that boat, and uh, we're gonna. My wife and I are gonna take the the inaugural return trip back uh, to Prince Rupert. Uh, it leaves on the 20th, and then we're gonna come back to Ketchikan on the Marine Highway on the 24th. And uh, I'm excited about it because uh, you know I worked hard on that particular mm -hmm. issue um, as the representative of Ketchikan. Now it was not just me, but other people throughout Southeast and people who were concerned about the Marine Highway system. Legislators worked hard on on reestablishing and the connection there between uh, southern southeast Alaska and Prince Rupert, and so I'm excited about getting back there. It's uh, it's just nice to hear that there's more, there's going to be more uh, active opportunities right. for travel, just exactly. leaving. Because exactly. the thing is, it's right. when you have to plan everything around taking a plane or the cost of the ferry, it changes yep. a lot of your uh, action. Or if you can't even catch a ferry, yeah. uh, which is the way it was. I mean, there for a while, we only had... 
uh, two ferries out of the 11 to 12 vessels in the whole fleet operating. What was it? The one running to Prince of Wales and the one running to Annette Island? Uh, the one that runs to uh, to, uh, An to Annette, yeah. yes. Yeah. The one that runs to Prince of Wales is the IFA, uh, so that's not really technically a part of the marine highway system. Oh, really? Yeah, it's not part of that. It, it's, it's its own independent authority. Oh, I didn't know uh, that. But, but the state does subsidize it. Okay. Um, but, um, but, yeah, it's its own thing. But in any case, yeah, you had the... Um, you had the uh, a ferry that was running over to Annette back and forth, um, and then I believe one of the main liners uh, that was running, and that was it. Um, and um, and so you know, things were looking pretty bleak there for a while. But now I think we have up to um, five ships back into the water, and wow. hopefully to have uh, more soon. And uh, they're having a problem with crewing their ships now because they had to lay off so many of the workers during their tough times, and yeah. so now workers are a little bit nervous about <laughs> going back and. Wondering whether they're going to have reliable jobs and things like that, and of course the job market right now is pretty tight anyway. But there's so there's some hurdles there. Mm -hmm. um, but um, you know I think things are looking a lot better for the marine highway system than uh, let's say three years ago when the initial budget that was proposed by the governor was only twenty million dollars for the marine wow. highway system. And at one time, Cole, um, the state was putting forward a hundred and forty million dollars a year to run the marine highway system. Um, and, uh, again, that budget suggested budget amount was 20 million just uh, three years ago. And so we've come a long way since then. Yeah. Um, and, um, and so there you go. It's nice to see, uh, not that there wasn't any for a period, but it's nice to see, uh, forward progress. Yeah, just, exactly. Anything we can do that's going to benefit the people in our communities is exactly. always positive. Exactly. Exactly. And it's not just a travel thing. There's so many of our... Uh, so much of our fishing industry relies on the marine highway system to get their product uh, previously down to Prince Rupert or even down to Bellingham, etc. Um, and so um, we're helping a lot more than just um, than just the individual tourist or the individual citizen in Alaska that wants mm -hmm. to travel down to Prince Rupert. You know, we have to remember that um, we have a, a building B&B um, and hotel um, industry that's that's blossomed up and before covid and lots of those travelers bringing their uh, vehicles up on the on the marine highway system um that would stop at b and b's and and things like that and you know stop in our communities like ketchikan and spend money so it has a lot to do with our the overall mm -hmm. health of the economy and not just for coastal alaska but lots of folks would take their uh you know their motor vehicle up to skagway and then drive the highway up to anchorage or go into uh you know to the to the park um, and or up as far as Fairbanks. So yeah, it's it's an important thing. Um, a lot of people in the interior don't recognize that. A lot of my fellow legislators mm -hmm. in the uh, that come from places like Fairbanks and Anchorage uh, don't recognize the importance of the marine highway system. But it it even impacts them when hmm. it's when things are not uh, operating well. So so anyway, I'm excited about that. Cole, yeah. can you tell? Yeah. <laughs> it's uh it's it's really nice to hear about the marine highway system because. That's something that had been a, a cornerstone of living in sure. Alaska for a long time. And it, just to see it kind of evaporate for a while was yeah. shocking. Yeah, for sure. You know, as you know, I was, uh, before I was fortunate enough to get into the legislature, I was a teacher at KI for um, close to 32 years. Mm -hmm. Countless amount of trips that I took with students um, to Southeast basketball tournaments, to uh, debate tournaments, cross country, the whole thing, you know, everybody was, and you get on, you get on and catch a can and then you'd pick up the team that was going to go to the event in Juneau from Wrangell and mm -hmm. Petersburg. And it was, it was just kind of a part of, uh, 
life in southeast Alaska, which was unique and different and provided bonding opportunities and, and, and things like that, that um, hopefully it'll return to that someday. Yeah. Um, but uh, anyway, um, so yeah, important. Important. So, um, we can we get some callers in here, Cole? It would be nice if uh, anybody have any questions. Yeah, uh, if anyone has any questions about the most recent legislative session, anything we've been talking about today, please feel free to call in with questions, comments, complaints, but hopefully there are more questions than complaints. Sure. I'll take the complaints, too. It's <laughs> part of the job, no yeah. problem. Uh, if you folks are listening out there and you have some questions about some of the stuff we've talked about so far or you have questions in different areas, Please give us a call. We'd, uh, you know, or if like you to, just want to say thanks. Yeah. There you go. You know, somebody's <laughs> got to get some work done around here, and they're making it happen. <laughs> there you go. There you go. There you go. So what else can we talk about here? Um, there, you know, I think that um, the state overall is, is, is in pretty good shape uh, right now. Um, certainly better than... Um, you know, more of the recent times with uh, the state and the country and the world dealing with COVID. It's not like, that's not like COVID's gone away yet, um, but it's, it's coming down and uh, we're doing a better and better job of, uh, of managing uh, the it's virus. definitely so, trending in a positive direction. Right, right. It's been a tumultuous journey. I don't know anyone yeah. that's had an easy time going these last two years oh, yeah. moving forward. Oh, yeah. It's it's incredible. And, and the effects are still lingering, for sure, and it's going to take a while before, quote, things get back to normal. Mm-hmm. Um, but, um, but what is normalcy? Yeah, right, right, right. <laughs> right. It may be normal that the virus is with us for years and years and yeah. years to come, and we'll have to deal with, with that. But It has been nice to see the ingenuity of people finding, uh, like, workarounds to still host, mm-hmm. like, art shows and events and still be in public doing things for the community, even you around bet. all this. You bet, you bet. One of the things that, uh, of course, we also should take note of is that um, the streets of Ketchikan are busy again here during the yeah. summertime. You know, when I think about uh, downtown Ketchikan two summers ago and even last summer, pretty bleak, pretty quiet. Um, and um, It's a good thing we don't yeah. have tumbleweed in Alaska. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I, you know, as a local, there's pros and cons to tourism you know you you love it you hate it there's different reasons but my favorite thing has always been seeing a bustling town because ketchikan in the summertime the sun's shining there's thousands of people on the streets Mm kind of reminds me of disneyland and that's like it's a it's a positive feeling i love getting outside and even if i'm not greeting the tourists just being out in that moving energy the churning groups of people it always makes me happy you betcha you betcha And and you know that um there's lots happening as a result of those folks being out there in the street. There's lots yeah. of people that are getting employment. There's lots of uh, uh, revenue that's coming in in the form of sales taxes to help out our municipality. Uh, and uh, so, yeah, lots and lots of positives. Um, and um, and so, you know, you, you think that it's at diff- different times we, we might get aggravated that we have to get stopped or we wait <laughs> behind a tourist, a tourist bus, but... Uh, when it's not there, um, and you recognize that, yeah. oh, wait a minute, it's not that big of a headache to to wait for a tourist bus or to wait for a tourist to cross the street where they shouldn't be. Uh, in the end, they're here to you know to have a good time to yeah. see Alaska and 
and they often spend money in our town. And Plus, so uh, if you're upset that you had to wait at a stop sign for a whole 60 seconds, you were late anyway. <laughs> there's, there's no getting around that. That's true. That's true. <laughs> you bet. You bet. So, yeah, return of the tourism industry. Hopefully, the fishing uh, will, will uh, rebound a bit this year as well. Prices, of course, uh, have been fluctuating. And then, as you mentioned at the beginning of the program, um, you know, the fish returns, um, particularly for the chum and for the kings over the last couple of years, uh, have been um, less than what we had hoped for. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm real interested to find out, um, you know, what the returns are this year and, and what it looks like in relationship to uh, prices that are off- being offered to our fishermen. I know that they had a, you know, um, a pretty good year uh, fishing herring up in Sitka. Um, and that's, so that started the season off right, although not everybody, uh, you know, is in agreement with that because, um, the herring, of course, are at the bottom of the food chain, uh, for our salmon and things like that. So some people get nervous about that and, and I, and I as well, but at the same time, um, you know, when you see, um, returns, um, like they saw up in Sitka this year, uh, the Sitka herring sacral fishery. Um, increasing amounts of fish and um, to the point where you know they were able to fish uh, that's a good thing and um, it gives you hope that um, you know when we see the runs that have taken place uh, over the last four or five years up at Bristol Bay uh, steady big Mm -hmm. huge um, so those are things that um, for me bring hope for the future of our economy for the future of uh, Particularly for us in coastal Alaska, the fishing economy is a big driver of that economy. And uh, so I'm hopeful that uh, things uh, are going to start turning in the right direction in that area as well. One of the few things I worry about is, um, if I, you remember probably two, maybe three years ago now, when we had that, uh, that drought year during the summer, there yep. was like one day of rainfall a month. That algae bloom really affected the fish returns and their spawning patterns. And so exactly. I'm, I know we have no control over this aspect, right. but that's another right. thing. I'm really fingers crossed we don't have another drought year and we get some salmon running. Yep. Yep. That's important. Um, doesn't do any beautiful. good if the salmon return, but then they have no way to uh, escape up into the rivers um, yeah. because of the low low volume of water in the rivers. Then you know that two years from now, if it's in the pink salmon industry anyway, mm. you're going to be hurting. Um, because That's one of those yeah. lessons in uh, life isn't black and white because I look at the water and I go, <laughs> ah, it's beautiful green, it's sunny out, it's 80 degrees. Yeah. But the salmon are not coming home and that's... Yeah. pros and cons in everything exactly sometimes i gotta remember that exactly um and some people other point folks point out that uh if you like the fact that the population stays relatively stable here in, in alaska and we don't have a huge uh metro uh, blossoming boom industry boom if we had the, the reputation of every day being sunshiny uh day after day here in, in ketchikan uh, we'd probably see an increase in that population. <laughs> yeah, they'd find a way to make the development cost go down. Yeah, yeah. All right, well, uh, you know. Thank um, you so much for coming on. I was you glad to have you here today. Hey, thanks, Cole, for the opportunity. Always good to come in and uh, chat at uh, First City Forum. And, uh, again, if there's any listeners out there, now's the last chance. If you get a call, if you have some question on your mind, give us a call. Otherwise, we're probably going to wrap this baby yeah. up. Don't forget to speak with your legislators about things that you're concerned about, things you're happy about. And, you know, I don't think they get a lot of them. Send a happy message once in a while. Say sure. thanks for doing your job because we're – We're proud to have somebody doing it. You bet. You bet. 
And to all those listeners out there, I'm going to say it again. Don't forget about July 3rd, KFMJ Day. Tickets on our website. Father's Day is coming up June 19th. Don't forget to call in and leave your favorite one-liner for a chance to win a gift card for your dad. And I want to say thank you to KPU and the Gemini Crystal Wizard for sponsoring our show. So, Cole, just quickly before we sign off here, yeah, um, tell me. What's this? What's going to happen on the 3rd of July? What KFMJ are we doing? Day. We at the Lumberjack Show, we are hosting an event because all of the uh, alumni are going to be in town for July 4th. So we want to get a big group of people together. We're going to have bands playing. Uh, there's going to be three, I think maybe four bands. It's going to be about an eight-hour event. Cape Fox is catering food and drinks. Um, we're still working out whether or not we can have food trucks in the parking lot, but they might be on a rotating schedule due to some permitting things. But mm-hmm. it's going to be a big blowout of a day. We wanted to do it before July 4th so everyone could get together and, uh, you know, get a little bit of a party in before they bring the whole family out. Oh, yeah. But it is oh, family yeah. friendly. Don't forget to bring your kids. <laughs> hey, that sounds like a good time. I'll have to try to make that. Yeah, I hope you do. So right. thank you to all those listeners out there. And we'll be back with the music in just a second. <laughs> 